brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, last week, we began the sermon series, Jesus Always Shows Up. And we saw how Jesus gave evidence. He showed up and gave evidence of the resurrection to, to Thomas and those disciples. And the evidence he gave them is the same evidence we have. Because we have the words of the Bible. Words which were written that we may know that Jesus is our Savior and that by believing in him, we would, would have life eternal. Today we look at some more evidence to those who have questions and doubts. But this is, this is a little different than last week. Today we see two disciples going for a walk. And if you're a fill-in-the-blank kind of person, that's the first fill-in-the-blank. The, these disciples were emotionally spent. They had, just the last seven days before this, they had gone from, from some pretty highs to some really deep lows. Jesus was their life. He, he was their, their friend, their teacher. They thought he was their savior. And he was arrested in secret, tried in secret, uh, executed very much in the open, and dead. And then that morning, they... they some women said they, they, they saw some angels. They heard Jesus was alive. I'm sure they had not been getting much sleep at this time. They were just emotionally spent. I, I, I think we can understand that. When things just build up and, and build up, and whether it's things about COVID or family or work or, or school's been going really, really slow, and then all of a sudden it's just insane and we understand what it is to be completely overwhelmed like that. And so these disciples, they, they went for a walk. Now, we don't know exactly why they went for a walk. I mean, maybe they, they just went for a walk because they needed to get out of Jerusalem, or maybe they had family in this town called Emmaus, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they bought a couch and they had to go pick it up. I have no idea why they went. They went for a walk. Now, Emmaus is, is said to be seven miles from Jerusalem. And so just to get an idea, here, here's a map. Jerusalem is kind of right there in the center. And you go straight west, and that's where Emmaus was. Now, there, there's a question mark there. Because evidently that there's a few other towns called Emmaus. This is the one that's about seven miles away, though. So from Jerusalem, maybe two, two and a half hours of a walk to Emmaus. And as they're going on this walk, Jesus shows up. And they have a talk. They've been having a talk among themselves, and Jesus comes and joins in their conversation. This is how our, our, the reading that I read earlier puts it. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and, and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. How exactly that worked and why, we're not told. They just didn't know it was Jesus. Reading continues. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked them, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? These disciples, they're talking about things. Jesus, who they don't know is Jesus, joins them, and they're talking about and their body language, right? They're looking down. They're just 
overwhelmed by life. Which tells us something really important. Even when you are closely connected to God's word, life can get overwhelming. These disciples for years had been following Jesus and things got to them. Which shows us something that we all need then. We need to be connected to God's word. We need to be connected to, to fellow believers. We need to, to, to be reminded of what the Bible says again and again. We need to be around each other to encourage one another and be encouraged, which, which means for those of you who are worshiping online, I love that we have this technology, but don't forget the need that we have to be together. And that's also why we're starting up these small group or these growth groups that, that really does both of those, that, that together we, we can be connected to God's word and together be connected to each other. If you're interested in those, be sure to talk to Pastor Cook about those, that they're starting up here. But again, we all have that need. That need to be in God's word, to be with each other. These disciples, um, they needed that. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in what's going on in life. Um, it, it's so easy for us to get overwhelmed with, with the debt we have, with how things are going at work, with, with the boyfriend that you don't have, with the family you do have. It is so easy to get overwhelmed with the to-do list you have. And, and you know, the, the things can, well, there's probably an endless list of things that can get piled on top of us. It is so easy in those times to, to look at things one way and not another. That happens when we don't really see God for who he is. Instead, we, we, we think of God as, as he's like us. And we wonder, why, why, does, why does God do that? Why doesn't God do this? And, and what we're doing is, is we're, we're thinking of God in, in our own image instead of realizing God for who he is. God's ways are not our ways. His thinking is not our thinking. They are far above. So when we actually start seeing God for who he actually is, it makes a huge difference. These disciples on this road, they, they, they were not seeing Jesus for who he was. And so as they're walking and as they're talking, th there's a realization that happens. And they start living it. They start seeing Jesus for who he really was. Gospel of Luke puts it this way, Jesus speaking. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
when they needed him the most, Jesus showed up. And the realization of that, that's what made all the difference. Now, Jesus certainly showed up for us when we needed him the most too, right? So many years ago, he showed up and he offered his life on that cross for our sins, for, for the times that, that our focus gets shifted off. He died for all our sins, but that's not all. He rose from the dead. Like the songs that we've been singing today have reminded us, he rose from the dead, and because he lives, we know we're forgiven. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. He came not just to die. He, he, he didn't just rise from the dead. He went up into heaven to get it ready for us, a place that has no pain or sorrow or suffering or disease. There's nothing there that would overwhelm us. When those disciples realized who Jesus was and who had been with them, they ran back to Jerusalem. And those seven miles, they probably set a record for how quick you could get back to Jerusalem. And as they were going back, they were wearing glasses. Okay, maybe not literally. Glasses weren't invented yet. But think about what glasses do, right? They allow you to see better. They, they alter your perception. And right now I can hardly see you guys, so I'm going to put it back on. Glasses do that, right? They, they let you see better. They, they, they change how you see the world. And that definitely describes those disciples. They had seen Jesus alive, and that changed them. That changed their, their perception of everything. It was like they had glasses that, that had resurrection lenses on them. You think of people like, like the Apostle Paul, and you saw that in him. Paul had, didn't have actual glasses, but he had resurrection glasses on. His perception of the world changed because Jesus appeared to him on another road to, to another city, Damascus, and it was the resurrected Jesus that appeared to him, and it changed Paul. Paul was going there to Damascus because he thought Jesus was a fake, a flam, and he literally thought Christians should be eradicated. And when Jesus showed up, it changed his perception. And he went from a persecutor to a promoter. He went from wanting to kill Christians to wanting to make everyone Christians. And he would do anything he could to share Jesus. He wrote about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. For Paul, seeing life through the lens of the resurrection made all the difference. So how does the resurrection alter or change your perception? You know, think of um, 3D glasses. You might go to a movie theater and watch, and things look closer. It's, it's, it's very different. If you're not wearing them, it's not quite right. How does the resurrection change your perception? I mean, it, it does. It, it it changes how you look at things. 
It means we don't have to fear death. It means that that we still grieve, but we grieve differently. We grieve as those who have hope. It means it helps us in how we decide um, how to treat each other. It, if you're like looking at things with a resurrection lens, then when you see bad things happen, you have hope. When, when your politician does not get elected, you have hope. When your politician does get elected, you still have hope, a different hope, not in the politician, though. When, when we look at things through the resurrection glasses, we see things differently. We see a cemetery as a party place just waiting to happen. When we look at things through the lens of the resurrection, we, we see people who've sinned as a tool that God will use in his kingdom. When we look through things, at things through, through the lens of the resurrection, we see an unkind coworker as a mission opportunity. We see our money as a tool for God's kingdom. We, we see a stimulus check as a means to help someone who's in need. When we look at things through the lens of the resurrection, it, it changes our perception. And that shows itself. I'm going to close with, with a story about Easter Edith. And I know I've shared this in the past, and if you've heard it before, I'm sorry, but I don't even know if it's true or not, but it, it, it does a great illustration in showing what it means to look at things through resurrection glasses. Edith uh, was a Christian. She lived down in San Antonio, Texas. Her, her uh, doctor was Will Phillips, and of course, Edith was his favorite patient. Edith had a habit of introducing herself as, Hi, I'm Edith. Do you believe in Easter? And she greeted everyone that way. Hi, I'm Edith. Do you believe in Easter? Well, one day, uh, Dr. Phillips had a, had a new head nurse, and Edith was there to visit her doctor, and, and so this head nurse came into the room and Edith introduced herself. Hi, I'm Edith. Do you believe in Easter? Well, sure I do. What do you believe about Easter? Well, it's, um, you know, it's, um, it's a new life. It's spring. There, there's, there's candy. There's eggs. And, and Edith pursued telling her what Easter was really about. Christ crucified, who then became Christ alive. Dr. Phillips came into the room, but immediately Edith knew something was wrong, and, and she said, Why, Dr. Phillips, why do you look so sad? Have, have you not been reading your Bible? And Dr. Phillips said, Now, Edith, I, I'm the doctor, you're the patient. But I do have bad news. The test came back, and, and Edith, you have cancer. And you don't have very long to live. Eventually, Edith was admitted to the hospital, and she got that nickname, Easter Edith, because everyone on the floor knew her as Easter Edith, whether it was fellow patients or the staff, whoever it was. 
she would always introduce herself, I'm Edith, do you believe in Easter? And be sure to tell them about it. Everyone loved Edith. Except one nurse. Phyllis. Phyllis just thought Edith was uh, just a religious kook. And so Easter, Edith would always say, Phyllis, God loves you. I love you. I'm going to keep on praying for you. And, and Phyllis would say, well, you can pray all you want, but it's not going to do any good. Well, I'm still going to pray for you, Phyllis. And I'm going to pray that God keeps me here long enough to tell you about Easter. That kept on going. And a few days later, for whatever reason, Phyllis said, fine, Edith, just what is it you want to say? And so Edith got out her Bible and shared the most important and beautiful message there is. Christ crucified for us and Christ risen for us. When Phyllis left that way that day to, to go to her car, there's something lighter about the way she walked. Next time she was on duty and she, she came into Edith's um, room, it looked like Edith was asleep and she'd been reading her Bible. Her, her finger was on a, a passage in Revelation. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And then she realized Edith had died. And she said, Happy Easter, Edith. Happy, blessed Easter. My friends, the resurrection changes us. And because of Easter, we will be changed. Let that resurrection joy be seen in your life. Amen.